Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacey Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of ThePaleoMom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Now, guess who has the Fleetwood Mac voice? That's my favorite. <laughs> I, I've skipped like the last four or five like illnesses that have like infectious diseases that have gone through my house. And I was I guess I was at that like overconfident, like, look at me and my strong immune system and not getting all the things that my kids are bringing home from school. And then uh, I could feel I could feel the battle <laughs> being lost with this one. It's just like a head and chest cold, but I, I've been calling it my man flu because I, I really became super whiny with this one. I'm sorry to all our male listeners. That's probably horribly offensive to you, but all my fe- our female listeners are like, totally get it. But it's, I've just, I, I guess it's been a while since I've been sick, which I should feel really appreciative of, especially right now. But I just, I forgot how miserable it is. And it's not even like a bad thing. It's just like a head and chest cold. It's just, you know, I'm coughing and dripping. And it's, you know, it's really in the grand scheme of things. It could be Ebola. It's not Ebola. But I'm, yeah, I've been crazy whiny. But I am going to to hold that in and not share whiny Sarah with our listeners this week. I think my family has been a really good sounding board for that. They've said they're not a fan and, uh, and I should just hold all that in. I'm also in favor of positivity and not whining. <laughs> not whining. I, know. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I, uh, normally I'm, I, I think it's sort of a, a stereotypical, I, not just moms, but like, the, the multitasking person who balances a lot of things. And I'm used to sort of like, oh, well, I'm sick. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And this time I'm like, oh, I, I, I don't want to do anything. I just want to go back to bed. So, so I've been looking after myself, but yeah. Speaking of moms, mm-hmm. for those ladies who might listen with your littles on the regular – Today's show will be about women's health and, uh... Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, know what we mean, know what we mean. So, make good choices. There won't (laughs) be anything, there won't be anything, you know, inappropriate. We still have a... It won't be an explicit podcast, but we are going to tackle... Uh, subject matter that you may not want your kids listening to from wherever they're playing in the background or in the backseat of the car or wherever. So or just depending as a, on the age of your kids, you may actually may want to share this with them. That's bring them into you. the kitchen. But um, just we want to be really upfront because we know a lot of you do sort of listen while you're cooking or, or commuting and you do have your kiddos around. This one might not be family friendly. 
depending on all of the, your family things. <laughs> all right. I think that's, that's this is good it. enough disclaimer. Um, do you want to jump right in? This has been um, a question that actually we've had in our queue for quite a while and I've been meaning to get to, um, but it's, there's actually a lot of nuances and I had to spend um, quite a lot of time <laughs> researching, uh, looking up various, I, I gave up on Google real fast. Let's just say I went straight to PubMed to get answers because the, the, the type of search terms I was looking for was not general search engine friendly for finding the scientific information that you want. And <laughs> I had to go, I had to go straight to the scientific journals, but I can jump in. Yeah, I'm actually really interested to hear this to be able to advise um, women on the subject because it's not something I personally have to deal with because I came up with another solution. <laughs> so um, we can talk about that. But I do I do know it's a very, very common uh, topic question. And um, I actually uh, will, will soften the introduction of it a little bit. Um, I was watching this show on Hulu called The Mick, and it's not family-friendly or appropriate at all. And um, it's about this um, aunt who ends up, for various reasons, taking over the care of her um, nieces and nephews who have been raised very privileged by her sister who evidently... um, uh, stole all the money, which is why she's taking care of them. So anyway, the teenager in the show, the like last episode was all about birth control and how like the aunt was telling the 16 year old girl that, you know, like, fine, go do whatever you're going to do, but you need to be safe. And what was really interesting is that the response tackled like why the girl didn't want to take birth control. So in particular, she starts out by saying like, I don't want to take birth control because it hormonally dysregulates and gave some legitimate scientific information in this, um, you know, like inappropriate comedy show. And I think that's such a fantastic sign that uh, those kinds of topics and thoughts are, are penetrating societal culture and gets other people thinking about them. Like think about how many other teenagers will see that show and think twice about what decisions they may make. And so I think it's a a great topic that a lot of people have because um, it's, it it, it is a battle of like, what's the lesser of two evils. Yeah. It is definitely, you know, a decision that needs to be weighed carefully. And I think, um, you know, certainly when I was a teenager, the decision, uh, you know, and a young adult, the decision was, you know, it, it was pretty much purely about mitigating pregnancy risk. Um, now that we understand so much more about birth control, um, the conversation and, and there's a lot more um, reliable methods available as well. Um, cause I'm, you know, I'm so old right there. So, so, so very old, you know, back in the olden days, there was so, so many fewer options. I actually wrote a post today that said back in the day. And I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> said that. Yeah, it happens. It happens without, I mean, I'm going to start waving a cane before I even need a cane. It's I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. No, but, um, 
but I think that now that we have a better understanding of some of the sort of pros and cons, um, it becomes a more nuanced and, and complex decision for people. Um, but why don't we, why don't we read, um, I think it's either Kyla or Kayla. What do you think? Kayla? Kyla? How would you, how would you say that name? Kayla. Kayla. All right. We're going to go with Kayla. And if it's Kyla, I apologize. Well, if it's Kayla, I should apologize, but I'm going with Kyla. Kayla. I'm going with Kayla. I don't know what you're going with. No, it's definitely Kayla. I said it backwards. We're sorry. Kay. We're real sorry. (laughs) Let's call her KK for short. Um, All right. This is this question. Uh, Hi, ladies. First off, let me tell you that you are both amazing. I am not exaggerating when I say the Paleo View saved my life by introducing me to AIP. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the incredibly important work you do. And as we've said before, starting off any question like this (laughs) is pretty much a guarantee that even if it stays in our queue for a while, we will get to it. All right. Uh, With that said, I'd like to warn Stacey this question acknowledges the existence of the horizontal hula. I love that. The, I love that our audience knows me so well. They're like, we're going to talk about bodily function, Stacey. You've been warned. <laughs> and they, I like that they're tiptoeing around you. It's right. great. Like I'm 12. Um, it's just, <laughs> oh, it's, it's my, that's one of the reasons why I love this question. Um, I am wondering if you can shed some light on IUDs for those of us with autoimmune disease. Here's the backstory. I went on the pill for purely birth control reasons when I was 18. My skin has always been great, and I am the woman in my family uh, who does not have endometriosis. Woohoo. Nothing but my bra size was impacted by the pill, but I went off of it after my dual celiac and Hashimoto's diagnosis as part of my huge diet and lifestyle overhaul. While condoms were fine during the awful years surrounding my diagnoses, nothing like bone-on-bone hip pain, fatigue, and giant bloated stomach to get you in the mood, right? We were still stressed about an unplanned pregnancy every month because my period took about nine months to come back after the pill. Thanks for the ironic timing, lady parts. Flash forward to now. My current AIP diet paired with stress management, sleep, thyroid supplementation, and surgery slash physical therapy for my gnarly hip arthritis, and let's just say my... Uh, sense of well-being came roaring back to the appropriate 25 years old and madly in love with my handsome boyfriend of eight years level. My G-rated question is this. Do the benefits of having lots of awesome business meetings with multiple satisfactions and tons of snuggling, okay, that one's not a euphemism, outweigh the negative effects of some localized inflammation and synthetic hormones. I've been watching my symptoms like a hawk for the past eight months since the IUD insertion, and I haven't noticed any negative changes. So I know you're going to talk about the science, but I want to remind people that we always talk about um, self-experimentation and watching your own symptoms and being aware And from what I understand about hormones um, and IUD, there are both hormonal and non-hormonal versions and both have less than a pill would be. So I feel like, Kay, who I love, P.S., your question and everything having to do with it is amazing and we should be friends. (laughs) Email me. Um, Is such that to me personally, if she's 
you know, looking into that stuff and, and being um, aware of it, then I would continue, me personally. But at the same time, we've also talked about sometimes you don't realize what are symptoms associated with something that you're doing until you remove it um, for a certain amount of time, three months or whatever, um, to see what, what those symptoms are. So I just want to remind people that those things that we talk about are really applicable to everything that you do in your life, whether it's food or hormone uh, changing uh, medication that you might be taking or inserting, um, or even from something to like sleep, you know, Sarah and I can't tell you exactly how much you should sleep. So it's really about listening to your body and, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I, you know, we try to give you information to help you make those educated decisions. But, um, I just want to remind everyone of the advice and the reasoning that we may give, not be exactly, what you're doing, because I know that we have a lot of women listeners who are doing a lot of different things. So the more that you can pay attention to your own symptoms, um, I think is the best advice I can give. Um, Yeah, and remember that we're not medical professionals. So we can talk from personal experience, we can talk from scientific literature. um, But at the end, when you're talking about, you know, taking or discontinuing a medication that has to be done with consultation with your healthcare provider. Um, so I kind of want to back up a bit. I think it was actually even last week's episode where we sort of briefly touched on the hormone shift during pregnancy. And I kind of wanted to bring that back here. It's relevant because when we use hormonal contraceptive, um, it's basically fooling our bodies into thinking we're pregnant. Um, So it's causing very much the same types of hormone shifts that happen when we're pregnant. One of the reasons why women have a much higher rate of autoimmune disease than men is because of the influence of female sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone predominantly on the immune system. So, you know, one of the things that I talked about last week is that what happens with the immune system, you know, it used to sort of be thought of that um, the immune system was just suppressed during pregnancy to stop it from attacking this foreign object growing within our bodies. And that's not really the case. It's actually a shift. And really, it's a shift from a um, it, uh, it's a shift towards more antibody formation and less inflammation. Um, so what happens is the if people who are familiar with Th1 and Th2 um, subsets of the adaptive immune system, Th1 is suppressed and Th2 is, is driven. And there's some other cell types that are suppressed, like natural killer cells. Um, and generally, you know, the cells that are responsible for um, antibody formation are increased. And that's so that the body doesn't attack the fetus and so that so that we can pass on our immunity to the baby. Um, and so this shift starts at conception and it gets basically like gradually more and more extreme throughout the nine months of pregnancy. Um, and it's because of this shift from uh, TH1 to, you know, TH1 being suppressed and TH2 being increased, that um, some people have their autoimmune diseases flare. So TH2 dominant autoimmune diseases 
tend to flare. Um, and some people who have their autoimmune disease go into remission. So Th1 dominant autoimmune diseases tend to go in remission. Now, the whole Th1 versus Th2 dominance thing is a dramatic oversimplification of what's actually happening. There's multiple helper T cell types that are um, also involved. Um, but the Th1 is generally sort of, they coordinate attacking cells and Th2 coordinates the cells that, that, that form antibodies. And typically in autoimmune disease, one or the other is overactive. With different autoimmune diseases, there's a often, you know, one tends to be the culprit, but it can be both. It can be switched back and forth. Um, and we know that, for example, some types of infections can cause our immune systems to quickly switch from TH1 to TH2 dominant. So H. pylori, for example, can control that. So it's when you see these TH1 versus TH2 balancing protocols, those have been very, very well debunked as being a, um, you know, they, they reflect a too simple um, understanding of, of the complexities of, of the immune system. Regulating the immune system really comes from supporting the, the activity of the regulatory T cells. So that's Th3 cells, Treg cells, um, and letting them basically get everybody under control rather than what's often done in these protocols is you stimulate, right? If you're Th1 dominant, you take uh, you know, botanicals that stimulate Th2 because that will suppress Th1. And we actually know it, it doesn't really work out quite that way. So when we take oral contraceptives, we're basically creating a similar hormonal environment in our bodies, which means we can drive a very similar change in how our immune systems are functioning. And it's, you know, it's very complex um, and it depends on if it's an estrogen only, progesterone only, estrogen progesterone mix. Um, and that will change exactly the details of what's ha happening with the immune system, but it is going to affect the immune system. And, you know, we know that changes in hormones are one of the times that um, some autoimmune diseases tend to develop. So we, you know, there's these certain autoimmune diseases that we'll see in patterns that they come on in puberty, pregnancy, and menopause. And we can add, you know, onset of oral con contraception use to that as its own separate category now. There haven't been any big sweeping scientific studies to look at um, the use of oral contraceptives and autoimmune disease uh, risk or flares. Um, but there have been a few, specifically in lupus, multiple sclerosis, and rheumatoid arthritis. And they've basically shown that um, using hormonal birth control increases risk um, in at least people who were more like, or, you know, who already have, you know, genetic risk factors. So um, it makes those people somewhere between one and a half and two and a half times more likely to develop an autoimmune disease. Um, and actually, the same goes for IUDs. So um, the only study that I know of that looked at um, IUD use and and risk looked at rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and in this study, they actually showed no really significant difference or maybe even a slight benefit in terms of risk by using oral contraception, but a pretty big increase in risk using IUDs. So um, IUDs are not 
you know, they don't get us off the hook in terms of um, how um, manipulating our fertility and, and estral cycles, how that links in with the immune system. Um, so that's, I think, just a really, really important thing for people with autoimmune disease or a family history of autoimmune disease to, to have on their radar is that, um, you know, birth control does cause a change in the immune system. And it's one that our, you know, our bodies are programmed to have this change for nine months. Um, you know, and then it's just kind of a slow, slow recovery back to a normal immune system, um, as we go through, you know, birth and then weaning, but it's not, you know, our bodies really aren't meant to have this as like a permanent shift for years. Um, now that being said, um, you know, one of Kayla, Kyla, Kayla, Kayla, KK, K, K, uh, K, <laughs> K's questions was, well, what about the, the risk benefit, you know, analysis? What about the benefits of business meetings with multiple satisfactions, which is really my favorite euphemism ever. So what I was, can speak for Matt and say that he's a big fan as well. I like, he's not even here, but I'm, I'm speaking for him. I, he's going to start putting business meetings into your calendar. Stop it. <laughs> he, he is now cause he heard that. So that's, that's about, it's about to happen. Um, so you know, that was something that I really had to dive into the literature. Google didn't help me out very much with this because um, I really wanted to understand how what's the magnitude of the benefit of awesome business meetings and multiple satisfactions. And um, one of the things that I um, was trying to figure out was, you know, has anybody really looked at the effect of satisfactions in particular on the immune system. Um, and, and like, how can we tease this out? So business meetings, um, that does cause the release of a few different hormones, uh, oxytocin being one, which is, you know, appropriately called the love hormone. Um, and we know that that has beneficial regulatory effects on the immune system. And another one is prolactin. So one of the things that really surprised me as I was researching this was I was thinking endorphins, right? You have multiple satisfactions that releases lots of endorphins. And we know that endorphins have a positive regulatory effect on the immune system. But it turns out that satisfactions, I'm, I'm running with this euphemism, it's great, um, don't actually cause the release of endorphins, which totally shocked me. Uh, but yay, science for, for fixing some preconceived but notions I'm in my assuming, brain. I'm assuming the act which satisfies releases endorphins. So, so the act, the business meetings, the desire to engage in a business meeting um, is really driven by dopamine. And what's interesting is that the... Um, you, you know, presumably there is, cause there's endorphin release just in like human contact, right? So presumably there's some endorphin release, there's some oxytocin release, um, there's some adrenaline release, 
Um, and then satisfaction causes the release of prolactin. And prolactin um, is an interesting hormone. It's the main driver behind lactation. Um, but it has a variety of other roles, including some roles in metabolism and some roles in the immune system. And they're very complex. Um, it's released by the pituitary gland. And it's just how important its regulation is, is sort of just beginning to be understood. And what's interesting is prolactin seems to have a dual effect on the immune system. So in lower concentrations, it stimulates inflammation. And in higher concentrations, it uh, suppresses inflammation. Um, and it's really unclear to me sort of trying to piece things together from, from different scientific studies. Um, you know, it sounds like satisfactions causes the pretty high release of, of prolactin, but whether or not it's enough to hit into this anti-inflammatory level, I, I'm not entirely clear on. I had a look at um, whether or not there were scientific studies that looked at um, satisfactions and immune function, and there was one in men. And in men, there was actually um, a slight inflammatory response. So um, some innate immune system uh, cells were stimulated and there was a, you know, no response in adaptive immune system. So there was no benefit to, and the adaptive immune system is the part that we really want to regulate if we've got autoimmune disease. And there were no similar studies done in women. So I kind of left with this like, you know, there's there's other great benefits. There's um, some estrogen um, and testosterone regulating benefits for um, satisfactions. Um, there's definitely, you know, some various, you know, like hormone. There's, there's quite a lot of studies of um, hormone regulation with relation to relations. Um, but whether or not there's a direct impact on the immune system, I think that question still hasn't been very well answered by the science. Um, so when it comes to is the benefit of all of these great satisfactions, um, is that going to outweigh the risk of hormonal birth control. I, I mean, I just don't know. I don't think there is enough science to really guide that question. Um, so I think we kind of get back to, you know, the disclaimer at the, at the top, which was, you know, when it comes to, you know, these types of interventions into our lives, we are our best judge. We are the ones who know how we feel and we need to be very vigilant about symptoms and we need to be working with a doctor. If there's any blood work that's going to give us an idea of what's going on, we need to be doing that frequently. Um, and I, I sort of recommend going into these things a little bit skeptical. I think it's really easy I see it a lot, and I've seen it a lot in myself with uh, food reintroductions. When I first started reintroductions, I wanted certain foods to work so bad that I just ignored the symptoms, and I just pretended they weren't related to the food. Um, and it, it was a hard thing for me to come around to and go, oh, yeah, no, eggs really don't work for me. Um, and I think we have the same tendency in a lot of different areas of wanting something to work for us 
so much that we blind ourselves to any potential warning signs that it's not. Um, so I, I think that was, I think that was my science. Yeah, I think that's great. So um, I'll ask the question, which um, I don't think we tackled, which is if someone's looking for um, a birth control option that doesn't dysregulate hormones, I was under the impression in the research that I'd done from people who asked me the questions that there is an option for a non-hormonal IUD and that that might allow, you know, these business meetings with multiple satisfactions. Um, Similarly, without needing to go a different route. Is that so? Fair? I, accurate? No. Yeah. So one of the things that was really interesting to me is this study in rheumatoid arthritis patients didn't actually differentiate between non-hormonal and hormonal IUDs. Um, they lumped them all together. Um, what? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So I think here's the thing is that there's almost certainly a hormonal influence from a non-hormonal IUD um, because of its actions basically in an organ that produces hormones. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is the non-hormonal IUD has a much higher risk of fallopian tube pregnancies. So that is definitely something to keep in mind as, um, you know, a possible, I mean, I guess that would be called an adverse reaction, but a possibly life-threatening one. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know that I have a good answer to that from the science because this one study just kind of lumped them all together and they, they didn't differentiate. And they might have only had, right, you know, two non-hormonal and 36, you know, hormonal ones. So they might have just like, ah, we'll just throw them all together and they didn't have enough data to necessarily separate them and, and be able to have powerful enough statistics to say anything. Um, so at this point... Like, I just haven't seen a study that actually looks at that. So there's there's really no science to draw on to make a, you know, make any kind of statement, which um, I know is really frustrating. Um, but I definitely think it's an option to discuss with a healthcare provider. Um, you know, so our barrier um, style birth control options. So um, things like condoms, diaphragms, sponge, spermicidal foam, all of those, all of those things that can be used also together. I can't, I can't hear the word sponge without thinking of that Seinfeld episode. Please tell me that you've seen it. I am pretty old. I'm just saying, yes, 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 I've seen it. Okay. So to every other woman out there, please do yourself a favor and if you haven't seen it, YouTube the clip. <laughs> I'm pretty of, sure it's on YouTube. No, I'm sure it is. Everything's yeah. on YouTube of Elaine saying uh, "spongeworthy." Whether or not I'm he's sure spongeworthy. If, if you just Google "spongeworthy," it'll it's amazing. And I didn't even realize that that was still a form of active birth control because the show made it seem like it's gone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's still a thing that exists, but I mean, I'm also that that could be out of date I, information. I will admit 
to the um, spermicidal foam and the natural methods as being the reason that coal exists. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think make sure you read the fine print is not supposed to be it doesn't have a super high success rate. It's not supposed to be used on its own. It's supposed to be used in conjunction with other barriers. Um, and uh, yes, rhythm, they, they, the, the classic joke is what do they call people who use rhythm method? Parents. And I also have a child <laughs> who was born with that methodology of birth control. Um, you know, I think that also, you know, for me, I, um, I went off hormonal birth control because I knew it was making me ill. Um, I think, uh, around the time I got married because it, you know, I, I knew that at that point I didn't, we didn't want kids yet. Um, but I also sort of knew that if, something unexpected happened, um, you know, the sky wouldn't come crashing down. Um, and so I personally, and granted, I did not know that I had autoimmune disease in those days. You know, my understanding of, of health was very, very different now. And I don't frankly know, I, I mean, it'd be impossible for me to know what I would choose with the knowledge I have now. Um, maybe I would have chosen differently, but, um, you know, I, I did sort of make incremental changes towards less and less reliable methods of birth control, you know, as I had been married a few years and had, you know, had my first kid. It was actually my second one who was um, unexpected. Um, and so I, um, you know, I think that part of this decision very necessarily has to be how old are you? How, what are your life goals? Are you still in school? Are you um, dating someone? Are you engaged? Are you married? Do you have other kids? How is your health? How risky would a pregnancy be for you? Um, how, how, what would happen if you got pregnant now? Would that be something that you could figure out or would it pretty much, you know, undermine all of your plans. Um, you know, I think that those are the types of questions that go into this decision. It becomes a lot more complicated than, you know, what will this birth control method versus this birth control method do to my hormones? I mean, I definitely think that we're pretty cavalier when it comes to manipulating female hormones these days. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if at some point decades in the future that we look back on this time and think it was sort of barbaric. Um, but then of course I'm sort of counting on there being some amazing technological advances for being able to do family planning without, um, you know, without having these pretty, um, intense hormone manipulations in, in women. So, um, at this point, you know, there's a lot of different factors that go into that, question. And the best thing that you can do is educate yourself about your options. And there's a full range of options because there's a lot of them. Um, and then make the best choice that is for you, even if that involves hormone manipulation. And if you do choose something that you think might, you know, might not work for you physically, then be very vigilant about monitoring yourself for symptoms so that you can 
change gears if you need to. Awesome. Well, Kay, again, I'm ready to be your best friend. Go ahead and reach out. I adore the way you write. And thank you for submitting your question with very kind compliment. These are all ways. Uh, if you would like to submit a question to the Paleo View to get us to pay attention. <laughs> um, use, else? use many euphemisms. Is that? Was that Euf- yeah. Euphemisms. Go for it. We... We enjoy comedy and compliments. That's that's where you'll you'll win with us. So every time, every time, awesome. Well, it's been real. I'm trying this out. How did that go? What do you think? Uh, it was a little cheesy. Do you think you can improve <laughs> on your delivery a little bit? I don't know. I it's kind been of like real. It. It's cheesy. It's hey. Been- it's been real. It sounds a little flirtatious, actually. Okay. Well, maybe it's like that's a little, appropriate like, for the end of this show. It's like a little like what you would say to some guy you'd been hanging out with a, in a bar all evening. <laughs> so it's been real. Okay. Well. Ladies. And then you would use like the words like connection and I don't know. Ladies <laughs> and the two gentlemen that stuck with us through the end. Thank you for listening. We will be back. Don't forget to refer your friends, keep up the reviews, be in touch. We love hearing from you on social media. Sarah's trying to convince me that doing this via Facebook Live sometimes might Mm -hmm. be a good idea. Mm -hmm. Let us know about what works for you, how you like to listen to the podcast. Um, whether or not you would like to do some live Q&As with us recording via Facebook Live, now that Facebook Live has its interview style um, where you can have two different people participating in the same Facebook Live. It's just, I feel like you're moving into the 23rd century and I'm still back waving my cane. That's Wait, wait, wait. Aren't you like a millennial? Are you young no, enough to be I'm millennial? No, I'm not. I'm not. No, you're still you're, you're. I'm in this weird generation of only a four-year span of people who both had to look up comp- uh, library books in the Dewey Decimal System and had to do research papers on a computer. There's literally yeah. like four years, and I forget what they call us, but we're like this weird group that they love to do tests on because, <laughs> because we're like the only people who can. Only people who had is. had to do both. Yeah. Um. I mean, I had to learn. I had to learn computer language. It was, I, I mean, mean, I remember like in school, you know what I mean? Like in high no, school, like, I remember looking stuff up on microfiche. Yeah. 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 I'm university. So that's what I'm saying is I did microfiche in high school, but I also, by the time I was a senior or whatever, was doing research papers with AOL keywords. You, so it's like, they literally. So there's a whole pile of our listeners who were like, micro what? Oh, AOL keywords. I get it. Right. Like, and they were just like, they were like, I'm not following you. What are you talking about? It's like old school stuff. Did you have old, we're not that old TVs back then. Were they in black and white? Wait, (laughs) did your dinosaur drive you to school? Oh my gosh. My kids totally talk to me that way all the time. (laughs) Did I tell you, so this, this happened a little while ago, but my uh, youngest daughter, I was, um, taking her to the school dance and it was an eighties theme. And, um, we were, I said, did you know that I was alive for the entire 1980s? And she just looked at me like they'd been learning about the 1980s and they'd been learning all these dances. And she just looked at me like, 
Whoa. And then she goes, mom, I was learning about something in school about in the olden days where instead of paper, they had um, stone and they had to like chisel, chisel letters to stone. Did you have to do that in school when you were a kid? Oh, my gosh. And I like completely deadpan. Oh, no, I was really lucky paper was invented by the time I went to school. (laughs) And she was like, oh, okay," But she literally asked me since I was so old to have been alive for the entire 1980s. Clearly, that meant that I, you know, went to school with stone tablets. Clearly. I was like, okay, this is this is just about the most amazing thing that ever came out of this kid's brain. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, Yes, I've got nothing to trump that. Oldness established. It's fine. Um, Yes, we'll be back next week. I'm going to go finish my cup of herbal tea and try and sleep this cold away so that I sound all sunshine and roses next week. Okay. I'll I'll be ready for that enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's going to be great. Uh, Well, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Do, 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 do. Yes, I do, 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 do. You know, he can't use your silly songs when you curse in them. But he can use you saying that. Yeah, so if you wanted to book her, 8 o'clock on either like the 12th or the 13th would be best for me. Because the 14th is Valentine's, so we're not going to want to do that. No. There's going to be other business meetings happening. (laughs) With hopefully multiple satisfactions. That embarrassed giggle didn't happen on the show. (laughs) Matt finally got it. He got it. It's going to so go into the floofers too. It's amazing. It's like, it's interesting to me. It's when we talk about the idea of business meetings, I have no problem. When you tell me like business meetings are going to happen. Oh, see, I just got totally blessed. (laughs) I don't want to know about what you're doing. I mean, I'm happy for you. I want you to be doing it, but I just don't want to know. I wasn't offering you details. I know. I'm just saying like, that's, I've, think I figured out the distinction. Like, I'm okay to talk about poop in general, but if you ask me about my poop, I'm like, well... (laughs) Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.